Welcome to the Strength Connection Podcast, a show to share stories, insights, and experiences in strength physically, mentally, and spiritually. I'm Michael Krukowski, host of the Strength Connection, and I'm so grateful that you can join me today. So in these episodes, I connect with some of the most inspiring and successful individuals to chop it up and learn from true life experiences that have helped them become who they are, the strongest versions of themselves. One of the greatest ways I've always learned the most important lessons is through stories. We all have them, and they make us who we are. So let's dive in. Here we go. All right, today I am joined by the Savage and the Sage. That is Megan Henry, mindset performance coach and former U.S. Olympian. This was a description Megan described herself as, which was so perfect in the context of our discussion. Megan's experience as an athlete, as well as a coach is so vast and her work with creating a resilient, powerful mindset in all moments of life is so powerful in times of both pressure and times of peace. So for those looking to build an unstoppable mindset, this is an episode that you're gonna enjoy in full. All right, so with that, we're gonna get right to it. But before we do, please show your support for the show. Make sure that you subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you're listening. And also check out our YouTube channel, The Strength Connection. Your support means absolutely everything to me and I sincerely appreciate you. All right, thank you so much. Let's get on with the show. All right, let's get to it. Megan Henry, thank you for joining me. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. I am too. So just chatting with you for a few minutes be uh, a while ago and then, you know, seeing all the stuff that you've, you know, accomplished from sports as well as the mental side of it. Um, yeah, it's really, really pumped. I got to ask you, you are the savage Megalyn, which <laughs> people, what does it mean to be a savage? How do you would do, how would you define that? So I say that it has to do with the grit, determination, resiliency, all of like the really tough things um, that's required. So I say that my my like sports, mental consulting, um, mental performance consulting is the savage mind. Mm-hmm. And but there's still a dual nature to being an athlete. So there's this the savage side. And then I like to say there's also the sage. So mm-hmm. there's the savage. That's like the grit, the work, you know, the like grind effort, like that type of hard stuff. But then there's also the sage, which is more of like the wisdom, the enlightenment, the the letting yeah. go and the trusting. And so there's a very delicate balance between the two. Um, mm-hmm. But I was given that nickname because I am small in stature mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have a lot of that, a lot of tenacity and resilience mm-hmm. and just I've overcome a couple of obstacles in my career, much like uh, a lot of athletes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Megan, I guess Meglet is a small yeah. Megan. So <laughs> I love that. That's the sa- the savage and the sage. That sounds like a book series that needs to Thank be. Thank you. Out. Okay, right good. I'll, I'll I'll make a note of that. <laughs> that is absolutely no, I love that. You know, I'm always curious about like we have these terms out there all the time, right? And it's like we can throw them on stuff, but when you actually get into okay, what does that mean to you? I always think that's a interesting thing, specifically with athletes and with coaches who have been in the space, because you know, definitions can be a bit subjective. So I love that. I love that that combination <laughs> of the energies and combining both of them together. Cause I think it is so important for, you know, us overall in strength. So yeah, Definitely. I think that's great. Yeah. So well I want to ask you, I mean, you've been you've been an athlete your whole life at some of the highest levels from collegiate, from uh, you know, USA and um, you know, Olympics, like the highest levels. When did you know that mental strength and spiritual strength was so vital to your physical pursuits? I realized it in skeleton at the beginning of my skeleton career. So I came from a team sports background. I played field hockey. I did run track, but my like first athletic love was field hockey. So I spent a good chunk of my life 
in a team sport. And when I was in college, I was introduced to sports psychology really for the first time. Mm-hmm. However, uh, the girl that we were working with, with our, that our team was working with, she was, um, I think a graduate assistant and she wasn't really an athlete. And so she was very like textbook savvy and all of that. And um, I just didn't take to it. Cause I was like, Oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about, you know, oh, okay. <laughs> which, which was not the right attitude at the time. Um, so I kind of dismissed it and it was a little bit easier to dismiss it on a, on a team. And when I went and I pursued skeleton, um, I was so much of a perfectionist early on in my career. And I spent a lot of time with the gritty side of really trying and like forcing results. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm training really hard. So these, why aren't these results there? Mm -hmm. And so in skeleton, you can't do that. Okay. And, and I mean, like it, like in, like in all sports, right. You can't have this like tension and the need for an outcome. Okay. And, and because skeleton you're, you're going, uh, for those of you who don't know, skeleton's a winter sliding sport. It's okay. on the same track as bobsled. So if you ever saw the movie, cool runnings, yep. it's one person going head first over 80 miles an hour. And your chin is just a couple of inches off of the ice. Oh, fuck. So, so if you're trying to force results, uh, we'll get right back to this episode, but first I want to tell you about Nabosu technology. Nabosu is the leading company in foot care products created by the top functional podiatrist and human movement specialist, Dr. Emily Splickle and her team. Our feet are a connection to the earth and the foundation of all human movement. And it's often the most overlooked part of our body when it comes to health, fitness, and recovery. Personally, I never thought much of how the foot impacts my movement and strength until years ago when I found my intense sciatic pain I was dealing with was coming from a locked up midfoot and ankle issue. So after putting emphasis on this, my pain subsided completely. And since then, I've made sure to take care of my feet before anything else in training. I use the Nabosu Neuroball every day, whether I'm training or not, and I felt significantly better in both my barefoot strength training as well as running outside on grass and on pavement. Nabosu has the best products on the market, including the Neuroball, Recovery Socks, Splays, Activation Insoles, and the Kinesis Boards and Mats. So to check out Nabosu Technology, click on the link in the comments or go to nabosutechnology.com and use the code CONNECTION and get an additional 10% off your purchase. Again, that's the code CONNECTION. Use it to get 10% off. All right, now let's get back to it. It's it, it compounds. It compounds because of like centrifugal force and all of these mm-hmm. things, gravity. So if you're really like forcing against something to try and make results happen, yeah. you're causing friction, that time, the timing, even if it looks perfect on video, if like your lines are perfect, it translates down the track because you're holding tension and the tension is not allowing you to glide forward. So you have mm-hmm. a really interesting balance of being just on the verge of out of control. So, um, in skeleton, you have to be like, there's a a running start. So you push a weighted sled, you sprint as fast as you can and jump onto it. So that's this explosive piece. But once you're on the sled, there's really, it requires relaxation if you want to go fast. Really? And so, yes, because it's just, and I mean, if you think about like, if you're driving a car, you know, and if you're like ripping the steering wheel and trying to like go around a corner. It's not fluid. Right. Or if you were going to try and calculate and think about every movement of even like 
a back squat. Like it's not yeah. going to be fluid. It's not going to be the, the energy transmission is not correct. Right. The energy transfer sure. is not correct. I mean, so, um, skeleton requires that, that relaxation, that detachment. And so I realized that my mindset was not helping me get the results that I wanted. Yeah. Uh, part of that, part of it had to do with even just negative self-talk. So I would be like really frustrated, uh, attached to outcomes, comparing myself to other people. And I realized like, I have a ton of athletic potential here. That's not translating into my results. Why is that? Mm-hmm. So I, that's when I first started to get into like mindfulness, meditation, uh, more of like the spiritual aspect. Sure. Um, and I had always had an interest in getting more into that. So it was nice, I guess, that it, <laughs> it ended up happening this way. And I remember seeing this video of these monks that took these like bed sheets that were soaked in ice water and they draped them over their backs and they sat there and I meditated in silence until the sheets turned into like steam, hot steam. Yeah. And then they would dip them back into the thing. And I'm like, okay, like if these monks can turn, <laughs> turn ice into hot water, yeah. hot steam, then I can at least get myself talk in order, you know? <laughs> right. So yeah. that, that was kind of the, the initial shift sort of into the more spiritual side of competing and the more mindfulness aspects. Sure. That's interesting when you see a visual like that and realize the, the <laughs> potential of what a human can do. Yeah. From right. That. So I love that where you talk about like the relaxation, you know, in strong first, we have a principle called dominata where it's, you know, uh, create tension, but focus on the lift, you know, where mm. it's like to build strength, you need to create tension. You need to be in control of your body, but complete tension is rigidity. Like you can't yes. move through that. So I always think of it like dance. It's like, you need strength mm. to do that, but then you need to allow that grace to come into the movement. And it's a challenging, it's a challenging thing specifically when, you know, stakes are high, when you're going down that chute and you're trying to make a specific time, it's (laughs) got, it's gotta be super challenging to not, you know, force that. How did you work with that? Was that just kind of repetitions helped out? Like just the experience of it or kind of going into the negative self-talk, what were the principle and what were the things that you did like early on to, help overcome this to kind of work into athletics? Well, like anything, obviously the repetition is the mother of all skill. So the repetition certainly helped. However, the, what meditation gave me was the ability to come back to the present moment quicker. So that's a skill and anything like mindset is a skill set, right? And we do just like you go into the weight room and you do repetitions of things and you build up that skill of squatting or mm-hmm. power cleans or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, Mindset is the same way. So being able to one, come back to the present moment and channel that focus. And um, an an interesting thing that I see a lot in all kinds of sports today um, is that we're really, really good at overanalyzing. <laughs> we spent many, many years. If you think about it, you know, if you grow up doing a sport, you get into the sport initially because it's fun. Right. And right. then you spend all of this time trying to get better. So I'm going to do all of this analysis and get all of this coaching and get better and better. And so then when it time comes time to compete, a lot of people end up choking. That's, that's a, 
mm-hmm. uh, buzzword these days, yep. Cho- like choking under pressure. And it's not because they can't do it, right? It's it's That's all mindset. It's because they've built up something in their mind and put pressure on a situation because they haven't spent a lot of time being, so I would say, I would equate the overthinking, the analysis, that that's the workhorse mentality. Right. And then the racehorse mentality, the competition mindset where you're just letting go, people don't practice doing that. So that's something that I started to do. I started to, rather than analyze every little bit in training and really, really focusing on times and looking at time, they give out timesheets every day at training. Okay. Mm -hmm. So everybody after training would be sitting there and analyzing, okay, what are my times here? And what are my splits and blah, blah, blah. And there's, there's certainly a time for that. I started to really detached from that. And I just was like, I'm here to train. I I'm here. I have got one, um, intention for the day, something that I'm trying to execute. Did I do that? Yes or no. And I, it doesn't matter how, what my times were today. Like it doesn't matter who, who won training. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of my, um, not kind of, that was my tactic, or I guess my, um, strategy to, to make that transition, to get like one, the mindfulness coming back to the present moment and then detaching from, um, those outcomes in training by Mm -hmm. creating somewhat of a competition in training by detaching and being like, I can be present Mm -hmm. and I don't need to compare myself to other people. Yeah. To dive into that process a little bit, Megan, because we we hear that all the time, like you need to let go of it, don't force outcomes. Like it's it's those things, it's easier said than done sometimes. So with your practice of approaching this, what was that like? Was it really challenging to do this at the beginning? Like, was this something that you knew you should do for a while? And then finally, <laughs> there was like a breaking point where it's like, okay, I really need to invest this time into meditation into mindfulness into surrendering you know to the moment what was that process like definitely it it became a a breaking point essentially i got sick of one being stagnant mm-hmm. and uh having the victim mentality so the victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. And the victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attribution. So what does that mean? So the victim mentality essentially means that, well, this person's doing so good in training and, you know, F them and my coaches are doing this and I, I should be doing better. So I was had that sort of language, that victim mindset that um, my focus was very external rather than taking the responsibility. Um, so I got sick of that. I got sick of having this victim mentality and being so focused on what other people were doing and thinking that somehow impacted my performance. <laughs> mm. And um, like, don't get me wrong. It's, it's like, yes, coaches definitely influence their athletes performance, sure. right? Yeah. But the more that we focus on what we can control, then the better we can influence our outcomes and the results that we want. So, um, yeah, it just kind of got to a breaking point where I was like, I'm done. I'm like, I know I'm a good athlete and this is not working. So it's me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Did you see where, did you see a change in results from that right away or did that take some time? Um, it still, it still took some time. Um, but I did see, I was more relaxed though. I was way less stressed. It, it impacted mm. how it, it really helped with my confidence as well. So, and then that's huge, right? That's, that's literally performance. Performance has to do with right. your, your mindset, which is the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. And those stories influence your confidence because you can, you can draw your confidence from a lot of things that like you can draw it from your, your experiences, your accomplishments, p- courses you've done, books you've read, people that support you. There's a lot of um, places we can draw our confidence from, but ultimately it's the story we tell ourselves about ourselves that yeah. is that has the biggest impact on our confidence. And um, be- that's because our thoughts become feelings which become actions, which determine our results. So if we're thinking confidently, we're telling ourselves really good stories that really, that impacts how we act, that impacts how we show up in the world. And so, you know, if you're telling yourself like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to fail this lift. I'm, I'm going to fail this lift. The likelihood of you failing that lift is pretty high. <laughs> right, right. So, and, but if you're like, you know what, I can do this. I, and you're trying to give yourself that, that opportunity mm-hmm it's not a hundred percent guarantee you're going to make this lift or make that attempt. Right. But you're surely giving yourself a a better opportunity than if you're telling yourself, you're not going to make it right. You're not, you're not going to make it if you're telling yourself that. So, (laughs) yeah. Well, here's a struggle on that. I love, I want to highlight this again, that you said, you know, victim mentality is an acquired mentality and it's built on a habit. And I think that's something that it can be very easy to overlook because we think, oh, you are this or you're not like where these things all build over times. That's why I've I've always been really curious about language that we use, even the small little things like the throwaway language that we say, oh my God, I need to do that. It's like, no, you don't need to do anything. It's like, you know, if you change those little things, all of a sudden that builds such a consistency and it doesn't seem like a lot in the moment. And it can even be very defensive. Be like, oh, like don't have a victim mentality. Well, I don't have a victim mentality. Like immediately going on the defensive. Yeah. Like I, I started doing this a couple of years ago in journaling practice of just actually mm. saying like, what is the stream of consciousness that's coming out and seeing the words that I was using? I was like, oh shit, I didn't realize like I'm saying this over and over again, like the same stuff. And that's a really powerful thing. And I think that's where I'm always curious about this with mindset because it's almost like a weird word, like mindset, like we're thinking of stuff all day. How do we overcome this from here? But what I want to ask you about is like when those thoughts come in, like, oh, I'm not going to make this lift or so it's those, those thoughts still, no matter how positive of a mindset you might have, (laughs) are still probably going to seep in here once in a while. Is it more about catching those thoughts and changing it or having those thoughts less? Like what is the, I guess the mechanism we could say, okay, we're moving in the right direction of building our mindset into a stronger one. Definitely. So you're, you're spot on that no matter how good you are, if you're number one in the world, uh, you're making billions of dollars like this, you have these, these intrusive negative thoughts and we have this Mm -hmm. negativity bias. And that is for our survival, it's not something that's going to change anytime soon. Right. So we might as well learn how can we how can we work with this, right? So um, for me, it's like 
trying to help an athlete build awareness, uh, much like you did with your journaling practice, right? I'm trying to build awareness on what it is that I'm saying to myself. And when you recognize that it's something that's not serving you or supporting you in what is your, your goal, um, to either reframe it. So if you were going to, uh, make an attempt and you were like, oh, I'm not going to make this, then you would immediately be like, no, I can make this. And so it's really about talking to yourself more than you listen. And, um, that also comes from having stuff prepared to say, <laughs> so oh, having, okay. yeah. So having affirmations that are relative to you that are personal to you versus some off the shelf, like I'm successful, but something that is very personal to what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And, telling yourself those things regularly so that that one, it rewires, uh, rewires those pathways in your brain, mm -hmm. which influences, this is a long answer to what you asked, but I it influences yeah. our reticular activating system. So the more that you start to tell yourself things about yourself that you want to be true, as if they're true, then your subconscious mind, which is super powerful as a supercomputer, it deals with 95% mm -hmm. of, of what's going on in our brain. And it starts to then filter things that support that. So uh, I can't remember if we had this conversation before, but if I say that, um, or if let's say my the car that I want is a white Tesla, all of a sudden you start seeing white Teslas everywhere, right? And, uh, right. that's because you've told your mind that that's something that's important to you. And the same goes true for, so I said, the victim mentality is an acquired personality traits. It depends on habitual thought process. Confidence is the same thing. It's an acquired personality trait depends on a habitual thought process. So with those thoughts, we come up with affirmations that are, are personal to us that make sense. And then, um, having, I mean, in general, we know some sort of negative thoughts that are going to come up for us that have to do with fear, doubt, worry, and having something in place that we can either use as like a release routine or just an affirmation to say back like, nope, that's not like me. So for example, I was training with Danny Casey um, leading up to master's nationals in, in March. And when I was in training, um, I was, I kept, I kept failing the snatch over and over again. And so in my mind, I, my, my monkey mind was basically like, you're not going to, you're going to, you're going to fail the snatch of this competition because you've been failing all week. And so I literally had to say like out loud, like, no, I can do this. I've done it before. And you, so you're just being your own hype man, <laughs> you know, right, you're just yeah. like, no, that's, that's not it. And, um, also like providing evidence to the thing that you want is also helpful. So for me, for example, um, in my mind, it was like, you're not going to make these lifts because you, you keep failing the snatch. I had to be like, no, I can do that because I've made this before I snatched this last week. So you're providing evidence to counter that. Cause if you, if you don't do that, your mind is like, it's just going to keep like a, you know, a really determined attorney is going to keep compiling that evidence right. as to why it's right. And so you want to provide the evidence that no, I, I am right. And this is true. I have done this before. I've done this mm -hmm. a thousand times. Um, that is helpful too, to counter that. Yeah. I love what you said there. I've, I'm 
going to ask you to elaborate a little bit on that, but you said you can talk to yourself more than you listen. The mm -hmm. first time, first time I heard this was from uh, a friend, Anthony Flores, who's a great coach who uh, dropped 150 pounds after going through testicular cancer in the middle of wow. it. And his mindset is so of, I'm winning. I'm dominating. It's not like, yeah, I'm doing really well. And so like, he's like, no, I'm fucking winning today. And he calls it the easy day life. And he was the first person <laughs> that said that of you need to talk to yourself more than you listen. And that was always challenging for me to think. I was like, is like, is that easy? Like just what you say, like, do you need to audibly speak to yourself or is it silently? Is it, but what you just described there on affirmations, I think is powerful. Um, where I've struggled with affirmations before, and I think, you know, people listening might have the same is doing it in a very comfortable environment where you're like meditating and it's 70 degrees and it's beautiful and saying, <laughs> I'm amazing and I'm great. It's almost like you're not in a challenging situation right there. Right. Where, yeah. Versus like where being in a physical pursuit or being in something that's really challenging and then bringing the affirmation is at that time to kind of, you know, get that RA, you know, RAS going from there. Do you think that's where some people miss the, uh, like the importance of affirmations is it's more about the timing of when you say it rather than actually what you say. So doing it in a meditative state, either like the first thing in the morning or before you go to bed is, is very useful because that's when the subconscious mind, that's when our brain waves are allow that information in to seep into our subconscious mind. So there's certainly value in that, but when we can, um, use those affirmations and those phrases in real time, <laughs> like when it's required, then we're more likely to take risks, persevere, and perform at our best. And so, um, like I said, having something prepared. So um, I just was working with an athlete who competed over the weekend. And so we had, I was like, where is a place? Like, can you put this in your bag or like on or tape it on your water bottle? Where's somewhere that you can see it? So when your mind starts to go in the direction that you don't like, yeah. you've got something to look at and you can literally read them right there. We ended up putting it on her phone because she was like, I have my phone all the time. So, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which is convenient, but especially having it in a place where you will see it to remind you to use it. Cause at first it, it does, it takes awareness. It takes a bit to build the awareness that I'm not talking to myself kindly. Like I'm not saying things that are supporting me mm -hmm. and um, being able to have them somewhere like your training bag or, or on your water mm -hmm. bottle, on your phone. And because being able to reframe that quickly will shorten the amount of time that you stay lingering in this like negative headspace. And um, so I, I think it's important to do both. Um mm -hmm. And as you said, like uh, that you struggled a bit with affirmations before. So if uh, when I work with an athlete, I directly I'm, I'm using stuff that they say to create these affirmations. So it's coming from something that they know they've done, they've felt before. And if not, if it's if it's something that um, that I haven't like drafted and crafted with them, mm -hmm. then what I tell people to do is to uh, like so for what's what's a goal that you have for example that you'd like to accomplish let's say this month <laughs> this month uh so i want to do a 10 minute snatch test again okay 200, 200 reps so um so you could say okay 
I can, or I will do 200 reps in the snatch test because and fill in the blank. Mm, Okay. And the, they did this study and I'll have to get back to you on what, on what it is. Cause I can't think of it off the top of my head, but essentially if you, um, they did a study where people were in line to do copies in an office. Uh, do people still do that? I'm not sure, but <laughs> <laughs> so they sure were in line, <laughs> in line to take two copies. And so, uh, they had someone that went to go cut the line and they were like, excuse me, can I cut the line? I need to make some copies. And the success rate of them being allowed to cut the line was like 20%, let's say. Okay. And then as soon as they said, excuse me, I've got to make some copies because I'm in a rush and I need this to give my boss. Then it went up exponentially. Hmm. And then when they just said, can I please cut the line because I need to make some copies? It was exactly the same percentage. It was like 90% for both of those things. Just because I need to make some copies. So if you, if you just fill in the blank with anything, Mm -hmm. it closes that loop in your brain to be like, Oh, okay, sure. Why not? Whatever. (laughs) So your brain, it like short circuits that because your brain is trying to close that loop. So if you just said, if you have some doubt, for example, that I I can snatch or I will snatch the 200 times in this 10 minute snatch test, then that's when that voice comes up. Like, well, no, no, you're, you, might, you might not do that because that, you know, that's really hard. Or like the, all those sorts of thoughts will mm. come up. But if you're like, because I've trained really hard for this, I'm prepared. I'm on top of my nutrition. I, I, I recover. I prioritize recovery. Any, anything that you fit in there yeah. that will help you. And, and I mean, re- repetition again, repetition mm. is, is key, but that helps to close that loop in your brain. Yeah. That's great. That's so that's going that next layer deeper in what this mm-hmm. is. And I think that's where like, like any good idea, it sometimes gets misconstrued, right? It's like affirmation. I am great. I am powerful. It's like, well, if you're not great and powerful, then you're just, you're, right. you know, you're, you're delusional, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, and if you don't have something that's really tied to that, I think that's really powerful. That's so huge of that, that because of just adding that reason. And I think that's really something that everybody, you know, can take away. There. Definitely. Um, and yeah. es- especially tying in the feeling, like that's another, another layer. There's, yeah. there's definitely layers is tying in the feeling of what does that feel like? So if, if you generate the feeling as if you've already accomplished it, so how would you feel if you accomplish this? What, what sort of feelings would you have? Uh, you know, pride, um, you know, just, just empowerment, I think is, mm-hmm. is the word that, uh, I always, uh, I always think, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not one that has, I've, I've done a lot of physical, you know, goals and pursuits and stuff like that. My goal is just mastery, but it's always fun to have specific things Definitely. that are always it that stay with you for a bit. It's like, I keep thinking about this, like maybe this yeah. is something they need to <laughs> pursue a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things It's like, okay, that's another check mark of something that's on the path of, a great, a greater sense of who I am, you know, like I do yeah. something which is like, kind of like the, like the sacred self of like all the things that being my best self of everything, these are all the things and looking at that on a daily basis. And often after reading this numerous times, ones pop out on a daily basis, you know, mm. it's like, okay, like, you know, my faith is strong. It's like, okay, well, is my faith, really, is that something I need to lean into today a little bit more? Okay. How can I do that? And that helps create a little bit more of like a to be list rather than a to do list. Like, who do I want to be today, you know, from there? So yeah, I think it's always something I've, 
I've gone back and forth with about goal setting. Maybe you can speak to this because having as an athlete, there's always like, there's a specific time you need to hit. There's a specific deadline when you need to hit it. You know, it's like all of a sudden a competition is coming up. That day is when you need to perform. (laughs) But in general life, a lot of people, there's not like a specific competition or the specific timeline. It's like, we're looking at it a little bit more of the, the big picture, the infinite game. But I've always questioned like, well, is it good to maybe apply some finite rules, like a deadline down of something, even though it's like, it's not like it's, you're not going to the Olympics, most people, you know, or so, (laughs) but you know, you should treat your, you know, what you want to accomplish with the same intensity, with the same discipline in that. Can you speak to that for a bit? Did I articulate that? Okay. Yes, you did. Um, Before I answer that. So I just want to know. Is there a thing, is there a time that you can refer to where you felt pride and empowerment before that you can generate that feeling, right? So you can generate that feeling inside while envisioning what it is that you want to accomplish because the brain can't tell the difference between something that's real and imagined. So the more that you do it and the more that you embody that you've already done this thing, this goal, whatever that, and that could be, that could be a financial goal. That could be you know, you're in sales, then you want to hit this yeah. quota. It could be, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be sports related. The more that you embody that and really drill in your mind that you're creating a memory, essentially, when you envision that you've done something already and you have attached the feeling to it, you're creating a memory and then it's more familiar to you. So when you go to do that thing, um, it's more more than likely going to happen exactly how you imagine or relatively close right mm-hmm. so that if and you feel more comfortable you feel comfortable because this isn't the first time you've seen it and um so i just wanted to to yeah. to okay. touch back on that yeah. so that like that's super powerful so if that's something that you want to accomplish definitely do that tap into the, those emotions envision mm-hmm. yourself doing it and um rather than say uh, some people aren't comfortable with saying like i have done like i snatched Mm-hmm. They putting it in past tense. So then I would have them say, I will do this. But mm-hmm. um, if you say it in past tense, that's very powerful too. As far as the, the goal setting goes, yeah. um, I believe it's called the uh, Parkin- Parkinson's theory, I think, is when you, you'll take as much time as allowed to accomplish something. So, and I'm sure people listening have experienced this. So if you are writing a paper that is due in three months, most likely you're going to take all three months to write that paper. But if it's due next week, you'll finish it in one week. So um, with goal setting and with, you know, just regular life goals, having some sort of deadline for ourselves allows us to pursue it with urgency. We're just, we're more likely to do it. And the danger without setting any sort of deadline or um, our, our timeline for something to be accomplished is it turns into a someday thing and it just never really occurs. And it, it may not be because it, it, it's probably important. It is important. Yeah. Excuse me. So probably is a soft talk word. So if you hear yeah. me correcting myself, it's because I'm using soft talk words, which is like mm-hmm. probably maybe yeah. I think possibly someday <laughs> those are all soft talk words. Mm-hmm. Um, so it ends up being a, someday I will. Yeah. The one make... day wager. Yeah. It's yeah. Like one day I'll get there. 
So uh, that's like, it's super powerful to create that urgency for ourselves. And uh, it allows us to, to up level, right? And, and so I think it, it is important to have that sort of timeline that creates that, that urgency for us. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. With the athletes now that you work with, um, like in overcoming setbacks, obstacles, like what are, are there, like, are there more common things that you see from athletes that come in and see you that the majority of them are really struggling with? I mean, I know I'm sure it's individualistic about, you know, uh, you know, throughout the spectrum, but what are the most common things specifically with athletes that you see that they're coming in that they need help with on the mental side? This is a great question. Confidence is a huge one. Um, fear of failure is one uh, not not performing up to their potential that they believe that they have so there's a disconnect between what they believe they can be accomplishing and what they're accomplishing and that to me tells me that they have some sort of core limiting belief that is preventing them from doing so or their self-talk is their self-talk and their focus is on something that they don't want and so um, here's a quote from Napoleon Hill, the greatest application of applied faith is learning the art of keeping your mind focused on what you want. And that is, in a nutshell, <laughs> sports and success in any arena is keeping your mind focused on what you want. And because we have this negativity bias, we spend a lot of our time thinking and putting energy into things that we don't want. And that's what we see like repeatedly come up for us is then this negative thing because of our reticular activating system. Like, oh, that's what that's important to you. You keep putting energy into that. Okay. So I'll show you more of that. I'll show you more of this thing you don't mm. want. So um, that that's a big one. I would say the like fear of failure is big um, and just not a feeling confident. Um, occasionally motivation, lack of motivation is another and with that, I would address why, what is your why? Why are you doing this sport? Why did you start doing it in the first place? And mm. then focusing on the process over outcome. Um, I would say those are the three, three big ones. <laughs> yeah. The fear, fear of failure, that's such an interesting one, right? Because it's, I, it's always like the fear of failure versus fear of success, you know, from there. I think that's really interesting. But mm -hmm. confidence, confidence is, that's a fascinating one, you know, to me. So I wonder, is it something that, like, what is confidence really? It's like, the thing is, it seems like we sometimes think that confidence is, I, I never think poorly of myself. Like, I'm always in this great mindset. And then when these negative thoughts come in, it's like, oh my God, am I not confident? Like, what is going on here? Because with the <laughs> athletes you're working with, I mean, they're very accomplished. They've done a lot of stuff. So is the confidence just that they're really hard on themselves? Like they're perfectionists in many ways? I would again say that it's mm -hmm. because their focus is on the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And so confidence is something we do. So it's, um, it's how we be. It's a state of mm -hmm. being confidence. It's an action. It's not a feeling. And so it requires doing and, and taking action in a certain way. And, and part of that is thinking. And so, and it, it's not, it's not, I, I never feel fear. It's having that and knowing how to act anyway, 
Um, so mm. having this fear, recognizing that that's normal and that that's okay, and being able to regroup and pe- and perform anyway. Um, I think once people realize how common that is to mm. feel scared, to feel nervous, and that and to reframe it that that's a, a good thing. It is good. It would be really strange if you went into something that was very important to you and you didn't have like a s- tiny smidge of nerves. It would be really strange it, to me if someone was like, "Oh, I'm I'm never nervous," um, or it would be like, "Okay, well, is that really that important to you?" Or they might have already reframed that if I'm nervous, it means I'm excited. That's a, that's a reframe I really like to use because it's this, it's the same feeling within the body. It's the mind that, oops, the mind that changes the perception. So you could say, oh, I'm nervous. Oh gosh, this is really bad. Or I'm nervous. This is good. That means my body's prepared. I'm excited. My body's getting ready to focus. It's, it's producing all of these chemicals within me. That's going to help me perform and excel and really be explosive and execute here. So it's, it's really just a perspective shift. And that's all my job really is. It's just providing that, that perspective shift for someone that they can be like, oh, okay, it's a good thing. Um, and just being able to tell yourself that like, okay, this is good. That means whenever, whenever I go to compete and I feel this way, I I always perform well. Um, when I was competing, one of the affirmations that I told myself, so in skeleton, you have three training days. There's only two training runs per day. So you've got six training runs before a race. If you've never been to a track, it's not a lot of time to become an expert. (laughs) So sometimes training would be, I mean, you'd be like off the wall, right? It would be crazy. Sometimes people crash in training and all of this. So I always told myself, because sometimes my training was up and down. It was like a roller coaster. And I always said that I always perform on race day, no matter how training goes. I always, I always show up and I always perform on race day. That was a big one. I told it to myself for years and it was true. It was true. Um, I loved, I just was like, I'm a race day performer. I don't need to, I don't need to win training, right? I want to, I want to win the race. (laughs) So, so having that, um, like knowing that it's, it's okay. It's okay for me to be nervous because it means I'm excited. Yeah. That's so powerful. That reminds me when, uh, I talk with Dr. Nate Zinzer and he, Oh, he's my mentor. (laughs) Oh, uh, Dr. Nate was unbelievable in his book, the confident mind, he calls it fall in love with your butterflies. And I think he used the, he used the, uh, the story of Michael Johnson when he was the first man to win the 200 and 400 in Atlanta. And the reporter asked him like, do you get nervous before a race? And he said, yes. He's like, when I'm nervous, like that's when I'm most comfortable. And like, just that flip of that script, when he talked about like, no, like butterflies means that's a good thing. And yes. it's very easy to think that it's a negative thing when just flipping that perspective, as you said right there, that is so, that is so powerful. Cause it is, it's very easy to think like, oh, this is, oh my, why am I nervous? It's like, yeah, you should be nervous. Yes. But what I would, what I would ask you about that is um, how powerful it is to recognize how common these things are in other people. You know, it seems like I was just going to say that. Yes. Yeah. It's (laughs) well in this day, it's, you know, I hate being a person that blames social media and stuff, but I'm sure it has some effect where we see highlight reels of people all the time. And there seems like this narrative of like, you know, go your own way, like fuck everybody else. Like you can do it regardless (laughs) of anything they say. 
it's a weird, I'm always like, how is this actually being interpreted over and over again by somebody's mind of thinking, well, you need to just be so strong in your mind that it doesn't matter what anybody else says. But then it's like, well, if your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your mom says something that affects you, you think like, well, this isn't working. Is something wrong with me? Like, how powerful is that to recognize that you're a human being, even though you're also a high functioning athlete? Definitely. There's this collective delusion that there's people performing for whatever reason, you'll see that athletes are like, well, that person, they just, they're so confident and they, they're never nervous. So something's wrong with me. And that is so far from the truth. I mean, if you listen to uh, like George St. Pierre used to say uh, he would be so nervous. He had to overcome, um, to overcome self-doubt, all of these things. And so I think that having that awareness that people at the absolute highest level experience the same thing, they just manage it better. That's really all it is. They've just, they've just developed this skill over time with repetition, with intention that allows them to manage that better. They manage their self-talk. And, um, and I think that that like the mindset piece for whatever reason, people kind of have a fixed mindset around it that, you know, you're either confident or you're not. And that, that's not true. Um, I just was looking at, there's a site called, uh, I think it's called answersocrates.com. Um, and you can look at what's the most like Googled questions uh, yeah. regarding a topic. And for mindset, one of them was, is mindset genetic? And um, is like, is it, um, like, is it permanent or something like that? Is, is mindset genetic? Is it permanent? Oh, wow. So people like, they really do. They believe that I am just this way. This is me. And yeah. I, I'm not confident and that that's not true. You can. And so developing that, that growth mindset and the awareness, like this is so common. It, it's so common that everybody yeah. walking the planet experiences this, unless you've got some like personality disorder right. right or you're like extreme narcissism <laughs> like, for the most part everybody walking the planet experiences this they have that doubt that fear that worry and that's also what makes life more exciting right it would be really boring if we had none of that because there would be nothing to overcome there would be no sense of accomplishment right. and so that's I think the the like the flip side, the more spiritual yeah. uh, perspective is that this this is what makes life really exciting, and to have those ups and downs and the contrast between emotions and experiences and feelings, that's what allows us to feel like we've done something great. Is to be like, you know, what? I felt so nervous before this competition, but you know what, I went out and I won. So yeah. like it, you're it creates a a lot more satisfaction when you when you do something like that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's so powerful. You know, I also think it's that it's there's so many different ways to win. You know, I think like mm. there's only one way like you can do it this way. I just heard uh Chris Bumstead was on a podcast. It was uh, the four-time Mr. Olympia and he said that you know, you, you see these examples of stuff and you think like a champion just is this, and you can just check, check mark all the boxes down of, you need to be this, 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 this. 
And he said he had a struggle be like, well, I'm not like this. This isn't part of my personality. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm emotional. Like I, I struggle with this and stuff. And he's like, well, that's not what a champion is. He's like, no, he's like, I can be a champion. I can be a badass and still cry, you know, and still have this emotional side to me as well. It's like the champion makes their own rules and you can make your own. Yeah. Rules. I thought that was really, it was a really powerful message of thinking, oh, you need to follow Michael Jordan from the last dance. And that's the only way that you can be, <laughs> you know, the greatest of all time. It's like, no, take, you can take some characters, you know, as uh, Brian Grosso always says, the Bruce Lee moments, like take what you need and then leave the rest. It's like being say, it's okay to go on your own path to find your own meditation practice. Or, and I love what you said about writing your own affirmations, what feels best to you, not what so-and-so said when they won this, well, yeah, like you're not that person, like that works yes. for them. Maybe it doesn't work for you the same way. I totally agree because we've all had our different, and that's like the danger of comparison as well, is that the, this person has a completely different life trajectory yeah. than you. Um, I heard on uh, Derek Grant, he's another mindset coach. He said that you are the goat of your reality because there's only one of you. There's only one of you that's had the same ups and downs, the same uh, obstacles and overcoming. And so that's like the greatest measure. He's like, you're the goat. You're the goat. There's only one of you. And I, I love that perspective. And um, what you just said reminded me of how the greatest team or athlete, the greatest team doesn't always win. It's the ones who show up and perform the best that day. So with everything that we've talked about, right, there's no guarantee that like, well, if, if I just copy this person's affirmations, then, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to win too, that there's no guarantee. Even if you have the perfect formula that you're going to win, there's no, and that's what makes sports exciting, right? Like you can have an underdog come in and absolutely blow everybody away. And it's because, I mean, it, what just happened in the Wimbledon, Wimbledon, like, so, um, unbelievable. Did you watch that match? That was incredible. So you like, you have this kid who seems in the beginning that he's uh, the nervous wreck and then yeah. comes in. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Right. And it's yeah. because that it's the person who's, who's performing the best on that day. And there's going to be times when you show up and you give your absolute best and you hit PRs and all of these things, and you still didn't win. And that's still a success. So like, it's, it's not an all or nothing like success, like, well, I, I didn't win. So it was all bad. Like, no, I, I performed my best that day. I had my best lifts. I felt really good. I'm using lifting because I just recently competed in, in yeah. Olympic lifting. Um, But any sport, like I, I felt really great. I executed on my pre-competition routine. I was really on top of my self-talk. I was really present. And the most important thing of all, I was having a really good time. I really enjoyed myself. Yeah. Um, so the, like, those are all measures of success. Like we certainly, we, we, I think it's important to have outcome goals, right? Because that's, that's the destination on our GPS. It's giving us a, a point to work towards. So I think that's very important, but the, then the focus has to become on the process goals. Cause if you have so much attachment to this outcome, which is something that happened to me. Um, so I was an Olympic alternate. I didn't yeah. make the Olympic team because I was so attached to making this outcome that mm-hmm. I lost my, my, you know, the sight of uh, the process. And if you can focus on the process, you're more likely to achieve that outcome 
because mm-hmm. that's where your energy is going. If your energy is out on something else, then you're not controlling what you can control. And then it becomes something that's, you know, it's just completely out of your hands. <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's beautiful. That's a perfect point. I think it's, it was Ray Lewis who said that he said F is effort is the only thing that's between you and you. It's like, you're the only one that can measure it. So if you put that perfect effort in, and I think we, I think it's self-evident when you like, do look back on it. Like when you know that you gave your best effort, even if you didn't win or not, like you can, you can live with that. I think it's always the struggles when like, you don't look back or you'd be like, well, it's like, when you know, like, all right, I did the best that I can, like you, you intrinsically feel that. Like, you know, Definitely. like w- Wimbledon was a beautiful example. You can see from Novak when he lost it. And he's just like, I, I did what I could. This kid freaking came out and, and crushed it. It's like, what can you do on any given day that happens? from Yeah. So, yeah. So I want to ask you um, about this, uh, this personal event that you did with Olympic lifting, because this is a different type of challenge for you. <laughs> I know. So you, you had to drop a significant amount of weight, I believe 10 K in two months. And I see you. I know you you don't look like you've got a spare 10k just sitting around to just drop <laughs> down and lose from here. What was this experience like for you? Cuz I know uh, there was definitely challenges to it, but uh walk me through this experience if you can. Sure. So, I uh I retired from skeleton last yep. year and I was uh, a little bit lost in terms of what I'm doing in the gym. I started to just train just to train. And the athlete in me was like, you know, I need to train for something. So in the at the end of last year, in the winter, I started to get back into Olympic weightlifting. And I, um, I entered a local meet in January for the first time in many years. <laughs> and I decided that I was going to compete at Masters Nationals. And years and years ago. So I've been training with Danny Casey for a long time. And we went mm-hmm. to regular national championships in 2015, I believe. And I had said to him when I retired from skeleton that I would be a national champion in master's weightlifting, <laughs> which he reminded me of after this competition, because I had forgotten, but he was like, you said that you were going to, you said you were going to do throw that it out there. Come on. Yep. Throw your chips. in. So our words have power. Thoughts become things, people. <laughs> so I uh, I decided that because it was close by, it was in Pennsylvania. I'm in Connecticut. Um, I could drive to it. It's in March. Um, I, I've i qualified with this meet that I just competed in. Mm-hmm. So um, I was sitting at 58 kilos and I had already started to drop because I knew that I was not quite strong enough to be competitive (laughs) in the higher weight class. So I was like, okay, I'll drop to 55. So I started to make that transition down to 55 and I was around 53 and there's no 53 weight class anymore. So (laughs) I was like, you know what? I'm going to drop to 49 because I can definitely win in the 49 kilo class. So I, I saw that there was an opportunity there and, um, I went after it. And so it was a little bit, of an extreme goal. (laughs) However, uh, so I started to, I used a lot of intermittent fasting Mm -hmm. and fasting to drop that weight in a really short amount of time. So when you do something like that, you lose strength, you lose muscle, you lose that, that leverage. And so I wasn't making any lifetime PRs at the 49 kilo weight class. (laughs) Um, it was, that was very challenging. Um, I was very determined though. And so I had my 
my routines were very, very consistent. And it was great because it allowed me to incorporate some of the things that I encourage athletes to do. It allowed me to relive them real time. I I hadn't hadn't been retired that long to totally forget, but it was nice to live in the moment and experience like the nerves and all of that that comes with competing. Um, And as well as having to do something like that. I've never been in a weight class sport. Like, yes, I've competed in Olympic lifting before, but I just stayed at my body weight and I was like, I'll just be whatever. So I've never cut for anything before. And, um, it is, it is challenging, but I was so my self-talk and everything was so on point. And like I said, my whole Mm. process allowed me to do that and allowed me to show up and still have energy when I was training. And, um, yeah, very, very interesting experience. Um, I'm now uh, like, do you want me to speak about what I'm experiencing now? (laughs) Uh, well, I mean, to, to stay on that for a sec, like, I mean, cause you're such a self-aware person and you've gone through this a lot before, was there any, I mean, I'm sure there's the physical challenges that come with that of just dropping, you know, so much quickly, you can feel it in, you know, it's, it is, it's different in your joints. I'm sure different in the yeah. strength that you feel and stuff like that, but mentally, was there any, like, um, I guess the term was anything surprising at all of like any challenges that popped up or like, cause you're, you're someone I think that can turn that trigger on and just go into that, that mode, which I think is very powerful. Like to do something extreme on the mental side like that, I think it is a very powerful thing to do. Did anything come up that was like surprising of how like you felt mentally during this at all? Or? Um, I was scared. I was scared yeah. that I would go through all of this and not make weight. That was definitely something Mm. that came up that I was nervous about. And I was, it it did scare me a bit because people were commenting on how like skinny I looked and stuff. Mm. And so I had to, uh, like even, even my family and I had to be like, I could have, there were times where I really did that did really bother me. And that's, that's true for anything. Like anybody in our family, our friends, teammates can make comments about us. And it doesn't have to do with necessarily have to do with dropping weight. It could be anything having to do with our sport. And we like can internalize that. And we think that, oh, that means that I'm not going to do well. You know, you just turn it into some story. So I then had to set boundaries with people and being like, do you think that that's helping me? I've worked really hard to get to this point and I would appreciate your support. Like, so I had to reframe like, and get other people to reframe it and be like, those comments don't really support me. And like, I'm, I'm working really hard to do this. And, um, so that, that was challenging, um, because people would be like, well, you look sick because I, because it was a huge contrast, right. That in a short time that Mm -hmm. when, and, and like you said, like, I don't, I don't have a lot of body fat or weight to lose. I'm Mm -hmm. five foot two. And so, uh, and I'm pretty strong. I've been an athlete my whole life. So I I don't have a ton to drop. So that contrast, that amount of weight is very significant for someone, my, (laughs) my stature. So, um, I get why people were, were having that reaction because it was, it was a shock. If they saw me, if they hadn't seen me in four weeks, they were like, Whoa, Oh my gosh. Right. (laughs) 
Is it almost, so is it almost was... kind of slightly kind of fun and enjoyable though, to do something like so challenging kind of physically to your body? Like I'm sure it's, it's tough and like, you kind of have to get into a different mindset in there, but there's, there's also kind of, there can be a, a weird kind of joy of doing something extreme. Like you're really challenging yourself to do something different. Did you feel that at all? I did. I did. Yeah. I did feel that way. Um, particularly, so I was doing also like longer fasts and uh, I felt very accomplished when I was doing that because um, I was like, this is very challenging and I know other people wouldn't do this. Yes. And so it gave that, I used that as like a confidence boost to be like, I know that I'm doing something that most people wouldn't mm. do. Okay. And um, I don't necessarily recommend people do this. <laughs> Just, yeah. There's a disclaimer. Yeah. Um, mentally, I, it, I there is something to that. There is something to that though, of doing something to the extreme. You know, I always like to highlight this a little bit because we live in such, everybody's talking about moderation all the time. And I understand that, but there are moments, I think that when you do something that really challenges to go to, you know, an edge of what you've done before in your life, there's something that's really kind of empowering about that mentally. So I, I also did that as a, a skeleton athlete. So, um, and I still do this now just because of my schedule. Is so insane, but I used to wake up as a skeleton athlete at four in the morning and I would spend a large amount of time, my whole morning routine. I spent over an hour meditating and then I would go through and I would do affirmations and I would journal and I would visualize. And I knew that no one else was doing that. And that gave me a confidence boost. And I think if you can really iron out like your routines, so having, and I'm not saying everybody needs to start waking up before I am. <laughs> um, but if you have routines that you can, even if it's not true, but if you're telling yourself, like, I know I'm doing something that others aren't. So whether that, that could be that you're preparing all of your meals or that you turn your cell phone off at 7 PM and that you're in bed at 9 30, um, that you're spending time reading, like I'm reading and my, my competitors aren't, they're not doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, I, uh, do you know yeah. that for sure? No, but <laughs> if you can, can tell yourself that to give yourself that like edge, like I'm. I did know for a fact, no one was doing what I was doing, <laughs> but, but, uh, in some cases you might not, you know, and you might be like, you know what? So in skeleton, we have to do like yeah. equipment preparation. And so you could be like, I know that I, I prepare my equipment better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So just, to, just to so give powerful. yourself it is be your powerful. own hype, man. Yeah. <laughs> so now you went through this competed, you know, from there like getting back now into this phase, what has this been like kind of coming back to, I guess, your status quo phase? Very, very challenging. Yeah. Um, so because I did not transition wisely out of this, <laughs> this eating pattern, mm -hmm. um, I really, really struggled. One, I really struggled with it. It was essentially body dysmorphia. Hmm. Um, it was very strange because I had lost weight very quickly. Then I started to try and eat normally. I was like indulging in things that I hadn't been eating yeah. because I was eating so clean um, that, that my, you know, just creates inflammation in your body. Then you blow up and you're like bloated and all yeah. this other stuff. So it was, that was so challenging. I was like distraught because I was like, I feel like I look like I'm 300 pounds oh. and which is not true. Right. That, like clearly that's not true, yeah. but I, I put back the same amount of weight that I lost very quickly. 
And uh, because it's just like a pendulum swinging, right? You go to one extreme and then it's got to come back to the other side. And so it's taken a while to come and like settle in the bottom. And so I've had like some like digestive issues since then that I was recovering from. Again, having to um, really give myself a lot of self-love, which I which I was not doing initially to be like, oh, my God, why do you look like that? Sure. And uh, it, which was tough because it does. It creates this it this body dysmorphia to being like, oh, my gosh, because, it, again, it was a contrast for me, too. Um, I didn't see the contrast when I had dropped, like, because I was seeing myself every day. But then yeah. when it went like the other direction, I was like, I was I just had like, eight abs. And like, uh, now sure. I don't have any, you know. <laughs> so uh, I know that sounds really shallow. But it was it was it was very, very tough mentally, because because to me at that time, it felt like this is going to be forever. And I'm never going to be like, lean ever again. Yeah. And so um I don't necessarily need to be walking around looking like that. Right. Like that right. was just, I was so, so thin. Um, but it, it, it was challenging for sure. I think that it gives me a unique perspective of anybody cutting for any sort of weight class, um, anybody in like bodybuilding space, that mm -hmm. type of thing. Um, and just to be like, okay, there has to be a plan in place to like reverse diet out of this one to avoid yes. that and then just to be aware of like their the mental side of coming out of a weight cut like that is very tough and so I think like having a plan in place for someone and working with an athlete on that is going to be so important for me in yeah. the future yeah I can see it so much on the mental side. I've, I've been there before I've gotten so lean in the past and then like building back up. It's like, it is a weird thing when you start seeing differences and changes in your body. Cause physically it is, it's very, it's very challenging on your body, but you know, we see it all the time. People want to drop if they're in a weight loss type thing, they want to drop it so fast and stuff like that. Well, it's like, yeah. I know you want to for, there could be a lot of mental things that are going on with your perception of yourself and, and your body image, but yeah. It's like dropping so quickly on there. Like there's going to be things to overcome afterwards of getting back into that. And yeah. I've seen that. I, I I told you before, I mean, I came from a school that was big in wrestling and would have friends spitting into cups to, you know, get there and not be able yeah. to, you know, enjoy Thanksgiving dinner with their family and stuff yeah. like that to do it in specifics. And it is, I mean, it's, like I said, nothing comes probably like there's no 100% positive to anything, you know, from right. there. there's going to be these <laughs> things, but you know, I think it's so powerful. The whole conversation we've had here about just having those mental, those mental abilities just to work on of having those affirmations of talking, you're talking to yourself more than listening to yourself, how easy it could be at this time of like having inflammation and digestive says, Oh my God, what the fuck is going on? Like, I can't do it. Where to talk to yourself at this time, it's probably so important to Very. kind of get back into that groove. And, and it's tough, especially when what you want is not being reflected in your 3d reality. Right. So for me, I, I was like, I just want to look like normal. <laughs> like yeah. I don't even need to be like lean. I just want to yeah. look like, all right. And so to, especially in something like that, where it's physical and you're looking in the mirror at yourself every day and really like giving yourself that self-love and being like, you know, I, I, I really love my body. My, my body is healing itself. And just, I had to say stuff like that. Like my, my body is so incredible because I just did this 
really intense thing. And I was able to drop weight and that was unbelievable. And so now my, my body is doing what it needs to do. And I'm so appreciative of it that it is, you know, just like giving yourself self-love is really what it is. And so, I mean, I think had it been a longer process, uh, that pendulum swing back the other way would maybe not have been so extreme Mm -hmm. because, um, one, uh, one of my mentors always says, is it right? And is it necessary? And so was it necessary that I dropped 10 kilos in like a six to eight week time frame? Mm, no, <laughs> arguably no. Um, I don't regret it. I, yeah. again, I gave me a lot of perspective and experience. Uh, however, when you do something that isn't right and is not necessary, there are consequences on the back end. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's just something to think about. That's like a, a moral compass sort yeah. of <laughs> those that's great. I mean, that right versus nest. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful way just to kind of give yourself that checkpoint of, you know, being on point on this. Yeah, that's great. Um, Megan Henry, you're awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time. I've wrote so many notes down here. On uh, this this has been absolutely incredible. So I really appreciate taking the time. I have so many more things I want to chat with you about. So we'll just have to do this again. Let's do a part two. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. So um, if people want to follow you, check out everything that you've got going on, what's the best place that we can direct them? Instagram is like the most active social media channel that I'm on. I'm on all of them, but at the Savage Meglet. And Danny Casey and I are actually talking about hosting a little workshop seminar on August 4th. So it's not permanent. It's not totally set in stone. However, I will be talking about language and using words to trans transition pressure into possibility. So I'll keep you posted if that ends up happening. Um, and yeah, that's that's it. I'm at the Savage Megalit website is in progress. So hit me up there. (laughs) Megan, thank you so much. Listeners go follow Megan, check it out and I'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength, and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. And you'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. I much love to you. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next one.